Hello, and welcome to the Keto for Christ podcast. Have you been struggling to have success with keto? Have you tried it in the past, had great results, but somehow life happened and you gained it all back? It's so much more difficult the second time around. Am I right? Trust me, friend. I understand and I feel your pain, frustration, and disappointment because that's exactly what happened to me. My name is Cherie Haynes and I am so passionate about getting the message of keto out into the world. But what if I told you that bringing God into the equation could make all the difference? As Philippians 4.13 states, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So, do you want to do keto the easy way or the hard way? If you'd like to do keto the easy way, please join me each week as I share simple strategies for keto and as we pray together for the strength and commitment we need to honor this temple God has given us so that we can better serve Him. I believe when we do keto for Christ, success will be inevitable. Let's go ahead and jump into today's show. Hello, and welcome back to the Keto for Christ podcast. Today's episode is going to be a bit different, but this message has been on my heart for a while now. Last year, I read the book Cherished by Gary Thomas three times, and it spoke to me in a way that no other marriage book had. I highly, highly recommend you purchase this book for yourself, and I will make sure to link it for you in the show notes. So I want to share a segment out of the book that I truly believe could change your perspective about your man because it definitely changed mine. I'm ashamed to admit that I'm so guilty of taking my husband for granted and focusing on all the negative things that he does that annoy me. But this section out of the book called The Only Man in the World reminded me of how amazing my husband is and how perfect he is for me. So I'm going to read this to you and then share some things that I've done recently to try to implement this into my own marriage. I hope this blesses you as it did me. So Gary Thomas first shares with the men how to think of their wives as the only woman in the world. And then he shares this message with us ladies. So here goes, the only man in the world. Women, may I invite you to take the same journey back to the Garden of Eden, to the door of true happiness in marriage, and suggest that the key to that door, to becoming the most pleased and happiest of wives, is to begin viewing your husband as Adam, the only man in the world. Divorce statistics and personal anecdotes reflect that women tend to be more dissatisfied in their marriages than men. You may have to fight fiercely against the onslaught of disappointment, lest you be tugged toward frustration, collapse in bitterness, and find yourself a captive to contempt. How can you fight contempt? 
How can you learn to cherish your husband as if he were the only man on earth? Here's the spiritual choice you have to make. When any woman gets married, she agrees, consciously or not, to a commitment of contentment. She forever resets the boundaries for what makes her content. She doesn't get to compare her husband to other husbands. Critically, comparing is what girlfriends should do with boyfriends, not what wives should do with husbands. Because to her, he must become the only man in the world. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Song of Songs 6 verse 3. You've already made your choice. In your ideal world, you have no intention of ever starting over with someone else. So why not put your energy into and your focus on guarding that choice, building on the strengths of that choice, and making yourself ever more grateful that you made that choice? Think of yourself as Eve in the Garden of Eden, standing before the first man, Adam. Eve didn't have anyone to compare Adam to. She couldn't think, his arms look below average, but at least he doesn't have a unibrow. All she could possibly think was, this is what a man is like. This is what my man is like. If you don't do this, your husband will pick up on the fact that he's being compared. Men notice what you notice. He goes on to say, Unfortunately, most men hear everything with hypersensitive ears. We notice when a woman's eyes light up, and we notice when they don't. No man can be everything. A successful long-distance cyclist can't be a bodybuilder. A handyman may be able to fix a lot of things, but he may view exercise or long talks as chores rather than something he relishes. Though there are exceptions, dedicating one's time to becoming exceptional at one thing usually means not being, a, not being exceptional at a whole lot of other things. Since no one man can be everything, One of the best gifts a woman can give a man is to tell him with her eyes, attention, words, and acceptance, you don't have to be anything other than what you are. You are my Adam, the only man in the world. I cherish you. With such an attitude, anything your husband isn't becomes irrelevant. Your guy isn't that, so you don't expect that. And there's no point in fretting over it. If you marry a guy who isn't a handyman, you don't judge him for not being a handyman. If you marry a guy who is a bit silent, you don't brood over the fact that your best friend's husband will sit and talk to her for hours. If you marry a guy who thinks exercise is picking up the video game controller, you don't think about what it would be like to marry a guy who does triathlons with you. Instead, you think of your man as Adam, the only man in the world. You cherish him for what and who he is. Don't expect him to be anything else and never compare him to anyone else. Now, I'm just going to stop right there for a moment. Every time I read this, I feel sick to my stomach. 
because I have fallen into this comparison trap with Ralph. Both my grandpa and dad were carpenters, and fixing things around the house was second nature to them. I realized I had this image in my mind that was incorrect that all guys should know how to fix everything in the house like my dad and grandpa did. But this isn't something that comes naturally to Ralph, especially since just a few years ago we became first-time homeowners, and so he never had to be in a position to fix things. But you know what? Looking back, I've realized how determined he is to figure things out. If he doesn't know how to do something, he will YouTube it, and he has done an amazing job with figuring out how to fix our garbage disposal, our sliding glass door that broke about a year ago from mom been jumping up on it and breaking the latch. He's fixed our toilet and several other things that would have been pretty expensive to hire someone else to do. So love, is there anything that you've possibly given your husband a hard time about, like I did, that you can look back and see how hard he was trying? I still feel awful, but I'm consciously trying to encourage and build him up and appreciate him when he does fix something because I am truly grateful that he takes the time to figure these things out. And I'm definitely not fixing them, so I don't have any room to talk. Okay, let's go back to the book. So Gary says, This may sound extreme to some of you, but tell me, what have you ever gained by comparing your husband's weaknesses to another husband's strengths? Has it ever made you happier or more content in your marriage or a more loving wife? Has it made you feel closer to your husband and given you more joy? Has it ever helped your husband become something he's not? Of course not. He goes on to say, The way our brains work is that we tolerate our spouse's strengths by assuming that's the bottom line, the ground floor. So if you married a superlative husband, to you he's just average and there are still so many ways he can disappoint you. Some wives, if they were to wake up and find the bed beside them empty because their husband had already left for work, would worship God for a full 15 minutes. Finally, he's working. Other women wake up in an empty bed and think, I hope he doesn't forget to pick up the dry cleaning on his way home like he did yesterday. At some point, if you want marital happiness, If you want to learn how to cherish a real man instead of longing for an imaginary composite, some Frankenstein husband who somehow has it all, then you have to own your choice and even learn to cherish your choice. My vineyard, my very own, is for myself. Song of Songs 8 verse 12. I promise you that you will be so much happier in your marriage. You will become a much better wife if you simply pray through the creation account in Genesis and begin thinking of your husband as Adam, the man who defines all other men for you, and then start treating him that way. It'll take biblical understanding, then prayerful supplication to God. God, help me do this then an intellectual consent. I want to do this. And finally, 
a determined act of the will. I am going to do this. To fully go through this process, resetting your brain to think of your husband as Adam. Fight disappointment with biblical understanding. This book I trust will help you do that. Fight frustration by asking God to give you gratitude for your man, to help you see your man as God does, as his son. Fight bitterness with intellectual focus. You will think about his excellent qualities and talk to yourself about your husband's excellent qualities instead of listening to yourself fret over his inadequacies. If you do that, contempt will slowly give way to cherish. It's not a one-time deal. You'll catch yourself slipping back into comparison at times, and then you'll have to go back to square one and set the process in motion once again. Over time, it will become the way you look at your husband. Thinking of him as Adam will be your default mode. When that happens, you'll find that you cherish your husband instead of having contempt with him. You'll discover that you are grateful for his strengths instead of bitter about his weaknesses. You'll experience the joy of your heavenly father who delights in seeing his sons cherished, encouraged, and respected. You'll be a strong witness to Christians and non-Christians alike. You'll provide one of the best parenting role models a mother could ever provide for her children. But just as importantly, you'll find more contentment, enjoyment, happiness, and intimacy in your marriage. Your heart will swell with pride and you will be the envy of all your friends, the one woman in their circle who is utterly and contentedly in love with her husband and can't even imagine being married to any other. That's a very pleasant place to be. Now, I know that was a pretty long segment, But I just don't think I could have done it justice by trying to paraphrase. Every time I read this, I am convicted and reminded of my sinful nature and how awful I can sometimes treat Ralph. I truly hate that I allow myself to get angry so often for, again, having to pick up his dirty laundry off the floor or wash all of his dishes in the sink. But you know what? I can't remember why I read this, but they reminded me that at least you have someone to clean up after. Some women who have lost their husband would do anything to be able to clean up after them if it meant they were in their lives again. So I do consciously try to stop myself. And before that negative thought comes to mind, Think about something I'm grateful for about Ralph instead, such as how great of a leader he is, how hard of a worker he is. I constantly see him working late into the night, taking calls from his reps, responding to emails, taking care of Mamba at night so I can get a good night's sleep, surprising me with a bottle of wine from time to time, or buying me a new coach purse asking me what I want for dinner and picking it up on the way home from the gym so I don't have to go back out. There are just so many wonderful qualities that he has that I am forever grateful for. I think back to some of the guys I dated before him 
who literally treated me like crap and I allowed them to do it and kept taking them back. Ralph is such an honorable man and I want to show him every single day how much I love, admire, and cherish him. So a couple of things I've done recently in an effort to cherish him more are I got him tickets to an upcoming Duke game. He's been asking me for years to go to a Duke game with him and I honestly hate sports, (laughs) but I know he loves Duke basketball and I want to do something with him that he enjoys to show him how much I love him. And the look on his face when I gave him those tickets was priceless. The game isn't actually until the end of January, but I am so looking forward to sharing that experience with him. Another small gesture I did was make him this candy he mentioned that his mom used to make. Obviously, it's full of sugar and carbs, so I didn't eat any of it, but I surprised him when he got home from a week of being out of town, and I think it really meant a lot to him that I actually listened to him. And one last thing I'll share is that I try now to keep some dress shirts ironed for him. He has a tendency to run a little bit late some mornings, and even though I don't enjoy ironing at all, I know it makes his morning go so much smoother if he can just grab an iron shirt out of his closet instead of having to take the time to iron it when he's already running behind. So love... What can you do today to show your husband that you cherish him? It doesn't have to be a huge expense like Duke basketball tickets. It could be just as simple as making his favorite dinner or watching a game with him on TV and just being fully present. Unfortunately, in the U.S., about 50% of married couples divorce, which is the sixth highest divorce rate in the world. Subsequent marriages have an even higher divorce rate. 60% of second marriages end in divorce, and 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. That is just so sickening to me. I don't think either one of us want to be part of that statistic. Am I right? Well, marriage takes effort and sacrifice, and it takes cherishing our spouse and putting him as our number one priority after God. God knew what he was doing when he ordained marriage, and if we keep our priorities in order and always make him the center of our lives, everything else will fall into place. So I hope this message today blessed you, love. I know this has nothing to do with keto, but I just believe that God put this on my heart to share with you today. Would you close with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive us for not cherishing our husbands as we should. You have given us such a wonderful gift, and we have been taking them for granted. Please help us remember to honor them, uplift them, encourage them, and appreciate them instead of focusing on things that might not be perfect about them. We are all flawed and sinful, and that's why we need your grace. Please, Lord, just from now on, help us to show them how much we cherish them. In your son's name we pray. Amen.